Good morning, everyone. Friends, um, our scriptures, our first reading um, speaks about an act of hospitality. Uh, and this uh, act of hospitality is not only recognized by God, God sees it and understands, but he rewards the family uh, for caring for his prophet. And um, St. Paul in our second reading tells us that through baptism we are united to the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And uh, as he builds up his uh, body of work, known as the Pauline Corpus, he will go on to say, and a life lived doing the will of God will result in eternal life. Friends, um, our gospel, Jesus speaks of the sacrifices involved um, and the priorities that must be embraced by his apostles and by all disciples. All must be ready, if need be, to sacrifice the dearest things in life, uh, even in the rarest of occasions uh, that they will have to choose between him and their own relatives. In our time, it's a little bit different, but in Jesus' time after his resurrection, uh, they had to do that, actually. Remember, there was one religion for them, the Jewish religion, and then came Christianity, so they actually had to choose. The families would say, if you're going to become a follower of that man who was hung on the cross, uh, you will have no part in this family. And that's the decision they made. And they chose to follow Jesus Christ. Jesus also tells of the implication of even the smallest acts of hospitality given to his apostles and to his disciples, uh, that he sees it. And my friends, our gospel has two themes, one of hospitality and one of suffering. And I've spoken much about hospitality, uh, but uh, I would like to speak about, uh, if you will, uh, suffering. And uh, one of the things about the gospel reading, uh, when we read the, chap uh, the paragraph before and the paragraph after, we see that um, Jesus is, if you will, he's speaking about connections. Um, and Jesus mentions uh, the four who are connected in what we understand as the work of salvation. And uh, it is the Father in heaven. Uh, it is Jesus himself. There's a reference to the apostles. And then there is a reference made to the disciples. My friends, the Father sends the Son with his message of love and salvation. The Son carries the Father's message to the apostles. And the apostles give the message to the disciples. And all of them have absolutely accepted the Father's message given to his Son, and they have all put it into practice. And all of them receive the Father's reward, which is gratitude now, but eventually glory in heaven. And all are connected in, as I said, what we call the divine plan of salvation. This is very beautiful, and hopefully the way I presented it is very nice. However, um, it is hard for some Christians today, the disciples, to see themselves easily and gratefully connected in this plan. My friends, in particular, I'm speaking about uh, our Christian brothers and sisters 
whose lives are filled with Many of you, many of us know someone, a family member or a friend, um, who is in what I refer to as long-term suffering. And that type of suffering can be uh, from a physical ailment, something that debilitates them. Uh, it could be from a psychological illness, in particular depression. Depression is one of those things that you can't visibly see on the person, but it wreaks havoc in their lives and in the lives of their family members. And um, it comes from many challenges. And while Jesus, uh, specifically when he says picking up, one must pick up their cross and carry it, uh, he is in a very particular way speaking about the persecution that will happen because of his name. However, in a very broader sense, and St. Paul would also uh, agree with this, um, there is uh, challenges that have often been referred to as crosses, and these are the things I'm talking about, illnesses um, that become burdensome for the Christian. Um, and so I ask, what does this have to do, how does this fit in uh, the connection of the divine plan? Friends, we all understand as human people that uh, chronic suffering goes against uh, our very nature, and no one likes it. Uh, there are very few people that actually would enjoy it, um, although there are some that seem to have disability. Um, and we live today with an increasing expectation that sooner or later, uh, medical technology will give us answers uh, to help us to defeat serious suffering. Uh, uh, even as I wrote the homily in the midst of the pandemic, I'm like, and you see the flaws of that uh, as we society struggles to get control over COVID-19. Friends, uh, the theology of the Roman Catholic Church urges us more nowadays um, than in the past uh, to not be afraid to seek remedies in medicine and uh, to attribute less of our suffering uh, to the will of God. Uh, what I mean is we would not tell somebody God sent cancer to you to punish you. That is not accurate. That is not correct. That is a terrible thing to say, not only to the person who's suffering, but about God. My friends, in hospital visits, in particular with priests, as we bring the sacrament to someone who is suffering, um, our theology becomes strained as the priest comes to deliver the message of hope and love and to stand with the person in suffering. And um, that message is this area, pray over your medicine. And uh, then uh, also having to move and tell them, uh, will you surrender now uh, in faith to God in the midst of your challenges? And uh, sometimes it's, uh, um, it's hard to label that for the sufferer. Uh, on the one hand, we don't want to diminish um, the ray of hope when it comes to medical things and science. And on the other hand, um, uh, we want to encourage them to put themselves into the care of God. Um, part of the word that Jesus passed on to us is what to do with suffering and, uh, and what to do uh, with the ultimate level of suffering, uh, and particularly what she deals with, the, uh, what the gospel writers deal with, and that would be death. Death has a way of being very destructive. And I don't mean about the person, the person will go to heaven, but in families, um, having dealt now with many, many funerals, I can watch families 
move through different phases of grief and suffering. Some may suffer greatly at the loss of their loved one. And sometimes it destroys families. And uh, part of that is because the faith is not there uh, to bind them together. But we learn much from Jesus about uh, these matters. My friends, I want to tell you that Jesus did not willingly look for suffering or death himself. He didn't seek it out. In fact, he came that we would have life. But when Jesus realized that uh, suffering and human death had to be endured in his journey um, for our sake, never remember, I always remember uh, why it had to happen for him. It was for our sake. And yes, uh, and to the glory of God, his Father. And I can tell you from scriptures, uh, Jesus did not seek it out, but he did not run from it either. And we see him on the mountain speaking to Moses and Elijah. And why do you think he was up there talking to them? And why is it that scripture tells us um, that Jesus, after uh, that, trend, we call it, you know, the the, trend, you know, the figuration and the transformation, um, Jesus, the scriptures tell us that he set his face like flint to Calvary, which we would know as Jerusalem. Jerusalem is where uh, this would happen to him. He did not run the other way, but begins to walk towards it, knowing fully what was about to happen. Why else uh, would Jesus say, Father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering pass from me. Matthew 26, 39. Jesus did not seek out suffering and death, but he did not run from it. Most of us are quite understandably want to be disciples and messengers in, uh, in the most wonderful, most powerful ways uh, and certainly we do not want to suffer when we do this. Um, we want the gifts, the charisms, and the splendid graces uh, and the wonderful tongues of divine fire when it comes to being disciples. But we would rather avoid what St. Paul's instructions are uh, that we always carry within us in the body the dying of Jesus. That's 2 Corinthians 4.10. Zareth. They, were, they loved it when he performed what we call miracles. But they were very reluctant once he began to speak about his passion. When he said, I'm going to suffer now, and then I'm going to die. Uh, remember, the, remember the Gospels? They didn't, they didn't like it. Not one bit. And some of them left. My friends, when suffering cannot be avoided... The Christian either curses it or they surrender in faith. The disciple of Jesus, the one who truly follows him, claims the suffering. If we claim it with faith, we will receive a matching pattern after the very life of Christ for our own lives, not to mention receiving abundant and amazing grace we will come to know that the power of God is operative in our challenging times as well as in those wonder-filled times of great joy. 
if there is a human portion from which Mother Church draws its wonderful gifts and charisms of grace, that source is from the martyrs themselves and their surrender. You understand what I'm saying? They connected their sufferings to Christ and in doing so allowed Jesus to do what was necessary then through it. Those believers whose long-term pain and suffering uh, builds up what St. Paul says is lacking in the sufferings of Christ in his body. And people often get confused by what St. Paul is talking about. St. Paul is talking about the church. Jesus lacked nothing. Jesus of Nazareth lacked nothing. But the church is his body too. And this is what St. Paul is referring to when he says, we make up as a church the suffering. My friends, and it was under great persecution. People were losing their lives simply because they decided to follow this Jesus of Nazareth. The early church was under great persecution. Many were martyred for the faith. Christians encouraged each other in such times of suffering about Christ's cross and about accepting their own cross. It had and still does have great meaning because it was a sign by which Jesus proved his love for you and for his Father in this concrete situation of suffering and persecution. It was a sign of what could be expected of those who wanted to be true followers of Christ. Christ never said it wasn't going to happen. He said it would happen to you. Those who suffer on earth because of him will share in his crown of glory. But also, I would tell you, those who also suffer greatly from any of the other things that I have spoken to you about, and do not curse God, but live in peace with him, also will share a crown of glory. Experienced parishioners who have suffered greatly. I know this as their pastor, as the one who extended the sacrament to them, and as their confessor. They did not curse God. In fact, drew closer to him and offered their suffering for peace in this world or for whatever Christ wanted to use it for. They became, for me, an example of what the disciple must and will do. The road of suffering is a difficult one. It should then come as a comfort to Christians to know that our Lord has gone down that road before us of suffering. And because of that, that road is no longer what it used to be. His light and his grace now illumine such traveling. For Jesus, that road that he walked ended in Calvary. But because of him, 
and his grace when you and I will have to walk that road, and we will. It will not end in Calvary. It will not end on a hill. It'll end in Easter. And this is where the Christian draws their hope and their joy, even in the midst of great suffering or persecution of any kind. And then they align themselves with Jesus. It has been said uh, by someone very dear to me, the person went on to say, and paradoxically, love is the only thing that makes suffering bearable and even fruitful. A very wise woman indeed told me that. So my friends, to draw on the hospitality portion, you are required because of love and because you are a Christian to assist anyone in their time of suffering. You may not be able to relieve it, but you can journey with them. You can remind them and encourage them and help to dispel fear in them that they will stay aligned with Christ. Each one of us can do that. To me, that is the minimum. And that would be a sign of great hospitality, a great caring, as we saw in the first reading, and as Jesus spoke about, anyone who even offers the smallest cup of water to one of my disciples who is delivering my message and who is suffering on my behalf, the Father will reward. So you'll get your due also. Now, my friends, we're in the midst of a pandemic, and um, people are complaining and complaining and complaining. Stop complaining. <laughs> Your suffering is minor compared to what I have seen others suffer, who do not complain nearly as much. So let us not be that way. Hospitality. On the one hand, we have a couple who will be married soon, two weeks. They have all kinds of things going on in their head. One of the things will be the hospitality of their guests. <laughs> uh, even if they have to get a bag with a cake and a little sandwich in it, let it be, huh? Even if they have to sit in the parking lot in their car, you know, hopefully their venue will not back out on them and it'll be wonderful. Uh, we're planning a, a reverend celebration here of the Sacrament of Matrimony, a sign of hope. Um, as I wrote my homily, I thought about you guys and I thought, well, I could talk about hospitality and use them. <laughs> but I thought suffering right now because so many people are in it happen. My friends, uh, some very encouraging news. Our annual Catholic appeal is moving along quickly. Our assessment for our parish is 189,000. Uh, the people of the parish so far have pledged and donated $139,000. So we're about $56,000, $57,000 away from uh, the goal. So I encourage everyone to continue. Uh, our parishioners continue to support the parish and their ministry. So financially, we pay our bills and keep everything going. So that's great joy and stuff. And 
we're moving slowly back into whatever will be the new normal. Uh, um, even so much that uh, Deacon and I and his wife, we went out for dinner. We hope you had a good dinner at the greenhouse. We saw you, but kept our distance from you. <laughs> uh, I could see you, but I thought, no, no, don't go over. Uh, six feet, six feet. Uh, but this relatively feeling of normal, uh, normalness, and, uh, and bring it under control. Amen? My friends, even now in the midst, I uh, know so many people are upset and have lack of peace and uh, no charity of heart. And Connect that. Even if you're suffering because of the uncomfortableness of the pandemic, connect that suffering and give it to Christ. You can complain, but it will not change anything. You can surrender it to Christ and watch him transform it and make it something so that it is not worthless then. So, but it's not an easy place to go to. <laughs> it's difficult to get to that area of faith to hand it over.